Hello, how is everyone today? So, we talked Steelers offense, and I got a couple more nuggets I found since we talked last that I want to share with you before Monday night. Let's just dig right in, but we're going to mostly talk about Steeler defense in this podcast. So, how about this? In week one, Cleveland pressured Joe Burrow on 36.4% of his dropbacks last week. And that was despite Burrow getting rid of the ball in 2.5 seconds or less on 74% of his throws. That was the highest rate on of the of the week. So he got it out in 2.5 or less, higher than anybody, and he was pressured a ton. Now, Kenny got the ball out of his hands in 2.5 seconds or less, just 35% of his attempts. The second lowest rate, Burrow got it out in 74%, Pickett got it out in 35%. It's a magic number with Kenny, by the way. This goes back to all of his starts, and there's only one this year. When the ball comes out in 2.5 or less within the structure of the play, he's quite good. Longer than that, it goes haywire. I mean, that's becoming a theme. Now, that doesn't mean that Matt Cannon is off the hook and he calls a perfect play. Because if things don't develop in 2.5, well, that's not the quarterback's fault. But in this case, it was mostly the quarterback's fault. Okay, one other nugget here about this game from this side of the ball. The Browns were amongst the most man-heavy defenses in the league in week one. They also allowed just 1.3 yards per coverage target while in man, which is phenomenal. That was the second best mark in the league this past week. However... In week one, I think I told you this before, Deontay earned the league's highest receiving grade versus man coverage, but he ain't playing. However, he was all he was the only Steelers wide receiver to, re- to record any fantasy points against man coverage in week one, which means any production, which is concerning. George Pickens should be avoided this week in a strong man heavy Cleveland defense. That's obviously a fantasy note, but you get the drift. All right, let's dig into when Cleveland has the ball. And some of these are broads. A lot of them are for last year, much like the podcast from a couple days ago. Browns, 5.3 yards per play. That was 18th. This is last year. Steelers gave up 5.5, though, which was 20th. Plays per game. Only five offenses ran more plays per game than the Browns last year. When combining rushes of 10 yards and receptions of 20, Only six offenses had a higher percentage of such plays than the Browns. But the Steelers' D was eighth best in yards per carry allowed. Not last week. Pittsburgh's pass defense was 25th in yards per attempt last year. Not great. They were the sixth heaviest blitz teams in the league in 2022. I do think that will continue in this one. I think there's going to be a lot of interior blitzes in this game by the Steelers. Last year, they were in dime 19% of the time. That was the fifth highest in the league. But in week one, they were in their base 3-4, 41% of the defensive snaps, which was the third highest usage. The Steelers were in only in nickel 38% of the time last week. That was the 31st highest percentage. Now, the Niners are weird, so I'm not going to look too much into that. Last year, the Browns threw the football on first downs 43% of the time. League average is 50%. However, Cleveland generated 8.3 yards per attempt on first down, which is a whole yard higher than league average. They didn't throw the ball a lot on first, but they were really good at it when they did. Only three offenses ran more plays last week than the Browns. It goes back to them running a lot of plays in last year, too. 
On their first down snaps in week one, Cleveland produced a first down 26% of the time, only the Dolphins were better. Last week, Cleveland utilized play action on 45% of their dropbacks. That was the highest percentage of any offense in week one. That's definitely going to keep up. Nine different Browns were targeted in week one, and seven pass catchers saw multiple targets from Deshaun Watson. So spread the ball around. In 10 career games against the Browns, TJ Watt has 15 sacks, 17 tackles for loss, 24 quarterback hits, an interception, and a fumble recovery. He's had multiple sacks against Cleveland three different times, and now he gets a backup right tackle. Alex Highsmith had four sacks against the Browns last year, and overall, in those two games, the Steelers' defense sacked quarterbacks nine times. Steelers had nine sacks in those two games, four from Highsmith. Watson, meanwhile, was sacked on 10.5% of his dropbacks last year, 39th best percentage. His 3.27 time to throw was the highest in the league last year. Similar issues. Sacks could be a thing in this game. With Watson in the lineup, Brown's offense generated just 1.2 points per drive, which was 30th during that prime frame. This is last year. Over his six games last year for the Browns, Watson completed a career low 58% of his passes. He also would have a career low marks in yards per pass attempt, yards per completion, and touchdown rate, while 2.9 of his inter- interception rate was the highest since Watson's rookie season. He was that bad. The Browns had fewer than 200 net passing yards in five of their six games with Watson as the starting quarterback. But in Watson's three full seasons, he has never dipped below 4,400 4, passing yards and has an 89-29 to 29 touchdown-interception ratio in his last full season, but that's all the way back to 2020. Watson's 4,800 passing yards led the league and he had a TD interception ratio of 33 to 7. Seems like a million years ago, though. On passes of 20 or more yards downfield, Watson threw two interceptions against just three completions in 2022. Think about that. All of his passes he threw 20 or more yards downfield. He had three completions, or two, two interceptions and three completions. It's crazy. Um, quick, tra- quick break here. We'll come back talk about the rest of this matchup. All right, here's some Amari Cooper stats. Last year, he had the highest team target share and target per route run. Those are the best of his career. He was targeted 132 times. That also matched his career high. His nine receiving touchdowns were also the most of Amari's career. But he averaged 0.64 touchdowns per game with Jacoby Brissett as his quarterback compared to 0.33 with Watson. Still, just on the Watson throws... Cooper did lead the Browns in targets, catches, receiving yards, and first down conversions. His 18 red red zone targets were 10 more than any other Browns receiver last year. He was 8th in receiving yardage and 9th in catches at home, compared to 39th in catches and 21st in yardage on the road. How about this? For his career, Amari Cooper has scored 34 touchdowns at home versus 21 on the road. 
he averages 9.9 yards per target at home versus 7.5 on the road. Pretty crazy splits. His 2.16 yards per route run was 17th amongst all receivers in 2022. He had a great year, but his home road splits are bonkers. That's all his career and in the Brown uniform. Donovan's Peoples-Jones had a seven-game streak of producing at least 50 yards last year, but fell to under 45 receiving yards in his six of his final seven games when, when Watson took over. Last week, Cooper only played 45 snaps compared to 66 by Peoples-Jones and 52 by Elijah Moore. Cooper only ran a route on 22 of the Browns' 35 pass plays, where the other two ran 28 routes. He also left for a minute with uh, a bit there with uh, some sort of injury, and I don't think he played a lot at the end. He only played four of Cleveland's fourth quarter snaps and 11 of the Browns' 17 first quarter snaps too, though. So didn't play all the time at the beginning. I think that's when he got dinged up and he didn't play much at the end. Peoples, Jones, and Moore were each in the game for 80% of Cleveland's pass plays compared to 63 from Cooper. And Moore's 23 target rate led the team. Moore, Moore ran 18 routes from the slot and 10 routes from the outside. I'm a big Elijah Moore fan. Against the Steelers last week, not only did Brandon Ayuk catch all eight of his targets, but all eight of those targets went for either first downs or touchdowns. His only catch that didn't gain at least 10 yards was an eight-yard touchdown. Hmm. Okay. In 2022, only Travis Kelsey had more red zone targets than David Njoku amongst all NFL tight ends. Amongst all NFL tight ends, Njoku finished eighth in both receptions per game and receiving yards per game, but Njoku generated 1.89 yards per route run with Brissett versus 1.03 with Watson. Njoku did receive 10 red zone targets from Watson. No other Browns pass catcher had more than six with Watson behind center. Just six tight ends had more yards after the catch last year than Njoku. Really good player. Last week, three Brown tight ends played at least 21 snaps. Najoku had 56 of them, but Najoku, Harrison Bryant, and Jordan Atkins were often on the field together in 13 personnel. That's something you'll definitely see. Bryant and Atkins were in the game for 23 and 20% of the team's pass plays compared to 71% from Najoku. But Najoku was targeted on just 12.5% of his routes, the lowest percentage since week one of last year. This is a big deal, too, I think we're going to see a lot of. Cleveland used six or more offensive linemen at a higher percentage of their snaps than any offense in the league last year. Last week, they used this tactic on 5.6% of their snaps, the second highest percentage in the last year, last week. You're going to see extra beef on the field, extra tight ends, no doubt, extra offensive linemen, no doubt. Browns rushed for 5.5 yards per attempt last year, which is well over league average of 4.8. Last week they were at five two per carry. In the two teams they met, the two times these teams met last year, Cleveland ran the ball for three hundred and five yards on sixty carries. That's five point one per per rush. Watson averaged just over twenty nine rushing yards per game in his first six games last year. Last week, as you know, the Steelers allowed one eighty eight on the ground. The Browns rushed for two oh six on the ground in week one. How about this? Over the 2021 and 2022 seasons, 
Nick Chubb gained at least 10 yards on 16.6% of his rushing attempt. He also gained 20 or more yards on just under 5% of his rushing attempts. Both Both are best in the league. Since 2018, Chubb ranks second in rushing yards as well as rushing touchdowns. He's been held to under 30 catches and 240 receiving yards every year, though, under Kevin Stefanski. He averages just 31.6 targets per year since entering the league. And over the past three seasons, Chubb has played just 53% of the Browns' offensive snaps. Last week, he only played 49% of of the Browns' offensive snaps. This is crazy. Throughout NFL history, this is how good Nick Chubb is. There's 129 instances of a running back averaging five or more yards per carry with at least 190 carries. The only runners with more than three such seasons in their career, Chubb's done it five out of a possible five times. The others are Jim Brown's done it nine, Barry Sanders has done it 10, Jamal Charles has done it 11. Chubb has never finished worse than eighth in the league in yards per carry since his rookie year. He's a superstar. Last week, Chubb ran for 106 yards and caught four passes, the most of any Browns player. However, Chubb and Jerome Ford were each in the game for 34% of Cleveland's pass plays, but Chubb was the only running back that earned a target against the Bengals. Still, of the Browns' 13 plays on third downs, Chubb was only on the field three times. He did receive a 64% overall touch rate and 11% target share. His career average to this point had been 52% and 6% respectively. So he didn't play a ton of snaps, but when he was in there, they sure used him. But Chubb has yet to score a rushing touchdown as Watson's as the Browns quarterback. With Watson in the game, Chubb has never found the end zone as a runner. As a team, the Browns gained 82 rushing yards before contact in week one, second highest in the league, and now Cam Hayward's on the game. Brown's offense was 26th in second quarter scoring last year, but 8th in fourth quarter play. Um, The Steelers' defense has allowed 21 or more points in just 14 games since the start of the 2021 season. That's the fourth fewest in the league during that time. Cleveland's offense, this doesn't matter for Monday night, but it's the most expensive in the NFL by a wide margin. They have 20 million more committed on this side of the ball than any other team. And that's with Watson only counting 19 million against this year's cap. Next year, he gives 64 million cap hit. Not only is that a record high, but it remains at that level for three straight years. So they're spending 20 million more on offense than any other team, even after restructuring Watson to only count 19. Next year, he's 64. Same with the two years after that. A couple more things to rack this on up. Steelers defense was above average in zone coverage rate in week one against the Niners. They struggled significantly, though, allowing more receptions than any other defense when playing zone. They allowed eight yards per coverage target, which was 25th. All of Amari Cooper's week one success came against zone coverage, which included a 31% target rate, leading all three of his week one receptions, leading to all leading to all three of his week one receptions. He earned a very good receiving grade versus zone, bad receiving grade versus man. That's a pro football focus thing. 
Cooper has caught four or fewer passes in six of seven games with Watson, which includes five performances with fewer than 60 yards. As you know, T.J. Watt took Purdy to the ground five times, three sacks and two hits, the most knockdowns of any player in week one. So not only did he have three sacks, but he had the most knockdowns. Last thing I got for you, Watson is only averaging 28 and a half passing attempts per game since joining the Browns last season. To me, you got to make him throw. You know, if Chubb beats you, Chubb beats you. But, uh, I mean, he's such a good player that that might happen no matter what. But you got to sell out to make Watson throw the ball as much as possible. And we'll see. But a lot of information there. You might want to rewind through some of it. Hope it's not too tedious and redundant. But a lot of you have given me great feedback on these. So talk soon. Over and out. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.